Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space here in Whistler 102. My name is John Keeley, joined, still joined uh, on the other end of the Skype line by both Noreen Lynch from the Pastoral Centre in Limerick and Shane mm. Ambrose somewhere in the universe. Now, uh, continuing on with part two and continuing on with Noreen in regard to what's happening around the diocese and so on and so forth, um, Ministry of Public Prayer, Noreen, people mightn't be too afraid <laughs> with it, maybe thinking what yeah. in heaven's name is this all about. Can you expand a little bit for us? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say a few words and please jump in if, with hmm. questions or, or, or anything if I'm not making sense. I suppose um, the, the question that arose during the Synod was in terms of liturgy, in terms of how we pray uh, as a church, how we gather to pray, people said, well, what will happen if there isn't a priest available for daily Mass and for all moments that we normally associate a priest being there for, if there's a change of, of circumstances or, and suddenly we say, okay, it's, it's midweek, we want to gather and pray, but there isn't a priest to lead us in prayer, so how will we, how will we pray? Mm-hmm. And what we found when we looked at it was a lot of people are already involved in public prayer. So we have people who lead benediction, we have people who lead the rosary before mass, we have uh, people who go into somebody's home and help them around a funeral to prepare and also pray with them and lead the prayer uh, uh, with the family or with family and friends. So we have people already leading prayer. There's a particular need that arises when we're used to the idea that there would always be daily mass in every parish and often during Lent a morning and an evening mass. So we have a an understanding of of, of certain, uh, an expectation, I suppose, around celebration of the Eucharist. And uh, so I was asked to look at how can we help lay people to take on some of the leadership around public prayer, um, sometimes, uh, so that really they'll always be in a parish, that if a group of people want to gather to pray, they'll always be able to do that. Um, and I'm thinking of, of a parish where there was a child who was quite ill and the your people texted one another and said, we, well, we can't go down to the hospital, but let's meet and pray in the church. And when they got to the church, somebody said to the other, but are we allowed to pray? What do we do now? Mm-hmm. And they just found that then the parish sister came in and they said, well, will you lead us? So the, the sense was, can we always have a few people in the parish who say, well, we've sat down and thought about this and we have some resources and we can lead prayer at this moment and help us all to pray. Because it's everybody praying. It's just we often need somebody, no more than with the singing and the choirs, we need someone to start us, to help and to lead what we're doing. So I suppose um, what I'm generally saying to people is this, that the the two pieces that we're, we're trying to hold, one is a sense of community that Sometimes we can talk about uh, God as if God is somebody we go to on pilgrimage to meet or, or God is inside in town in the cathedral. Mm. But what we know as Christians is that actually our God lives where we are, where two or three are gathered and there. And so it's quite important in our local places, in the churches we've always prayed in, that we gather and we pray each day. It's also important that we have that Sunday is that special moment of Eucharist where we all gather together. So, and we really say, this is who we are. All the people of this parish gather together on Sunday. And then that across the week, we hold seriously that idea of praying without ceasing, that the call is to, to continually pray. So that in every parish, every day, there are people gathering in our church and saying, on behalf of the people of this parish, we pray. Right? Mm-hmm. So all of those bright ideas. So I think a lot of those ideas people can agree with. In practice, then, how does it look? Let's, let's get down to details. Mm. In practice in our church, the Sunday, the Eucharist, our Eucharist was always the Sunday prayer. The, from the very beginning, the people met on Sunday and they talked that Saturday night now into Sunday. So across the dawn 
the sun rising, um, people would gather and they would say, the meeting makes the day. What makes Sunday special is not that it's the weekend or we've time off. What makes Sunday special is the meeting, that we will assemble and gather and we will break bread together in Eucharist. And that's really important. And then across the week, people would continue to gather. So um, where it's possible here, for example, in, in Western Europe, where we have a lot of clergy, we started to have daily mass. But that's not actually the norm in most parts of the world. In most parts of the world, when people gather during the week, how they pray would be something like the liturgy of the hours. And we'd know that from our our priests and our religious sisters and brothers who would gather and pray morning prayer and evening prayer. So we might sometimes see our priests with their divine office, their office book, and they'd be praying the morning and the evening prayer. Well, that prayer is the most ancient prayer. That's the prayer that has always been held for 2,000 years across our church. People would have used that prayer. And then the other one that's happens quite a lot on weekdays is that we would have a liturgy of the word. The people would gather and that they, the liturgy would be the word of God. We would be fed by the word of God, by hearing the word of God, by reflecting on it and by praying. In some Lily, case, can I can I just yeah. jump in there now a second yeah, now because and just and just pose pose a question I suppose for, for, for Joe Public if you like. You've used two different terms there uh, when you were talking about prayer. You spoke about people coming together for public prayer, mm-hmm. and now you've used a very, I suppose, what we'd call a kind of a more technical term, liturgy. Liturgy, you're right. Yeah, you're right. and yeah, what's what's the difference between the two? Sorry, I, I skipped that line in my notes. <laughs> Good man, Shane. Thank you very much. Really, I suppose when I was talking to a group last week, I started with the idea. I said there's three things. There's ritual, public prayer and liturgy. And I'm not going to go into loads of detail now. I don't want to bamboozle people. But do you know the sense that rituals like uh, the, what you do, you go shopping on a Friday or you go to Mass on a Sunday. There's rituals we form in our lives that just make sense of things and like having birthdays and celebrations. And I think rituals help us to make meaning out of life. The, you know, if you didn't go down to the shop in the morning, somebody would come and look for you. If you weren't at Sunday Mass, somebody would come and find you because the ritual makes sense and people know you should be there. For Christians, rituals, Christian rituals are moments that we set aside to help us to encounter God. We say, you know, God is everywhere, but I'm not the same everywhere. So I need to go into the church and light a candle. And that kind of brings me into the mind of prayer. It helps me, the ritual of it. Or I try to go to Mass in the morning. That brings me into the ritual of it. And Whenever we gather in public, not in private prayer, so when we get, if we're before Mass kneeling down and we're saying the rosary together, that's public prayer. Anybody can come in and join us. Um, you might have the stations of the cross that go through your parish, walk through the streets, uh, and it's public prayer. You might have a pilgrimage that you go on together and people pray public prayer. So all of those are very creative and broad and they're based on your own spirituality. Some people would love, for instance, to go up to Loch Durgan pilgrimage and the public prayer with the people together. Other people, it just wouldn't appeal to them at all. And that's fine. You know, they'd have a different spirituality. Um, so, But liturgy is where the church said there are certain public prayers that are our official public prayers. These are the ones that, regardless of where you are in the world, regardless of your spirituality, these are the core ones for us as Catholics. And for us, the liturgy basically is the seven sacraments. That includes our Sunday Mass, our baptisms, our weddings, our, uh, the anointing of the sick, all you know, our all those seven sacraments are all carried there 
they, they're part of our public official liturgy. So we wouldn't say with Mass, for instance, at Sunday Mass, do you know, that's that's nice, but sure, we'll, we'll change something around there. We'll drop out one of the readings and we'll put in a poem. Say, no, no, this is official. We're going to do it right. We're going to handle it with care because it's the official public prayer of the Church of the Sacrament. And the other two that, that go with that then as well, so the seven sacraments and the liturgy of the Word. So what we understand as the readings part of the Mass is actually its own liturgy. It stands on its own. Uh, the liturgy of the word, right up to just before the offertory. That that place there, where we're hearing the word of God and fed by that, that's a liturgy too. And so it can stand alone and it can be held separate. It doesn't have to be always as part of Mass. And the other one is the liturgy of the hours, which I just said, the divine office, the, the prayer that we see religious saying, um, and that any layperson can say, the morning prayer, evening prayer, the idea being that at every hour of the day, we pray to God. And so we set in, we have in, in, if you go into maybe an enclosed order or a monastery like Glenstall, you'd see people praying at dawn, at nine o'clock, in the middle of the morning, at noon, because at every hour of the day, we want to, somewhere around the world, people to be saying, thanks be to God, God is great. So that hours idea. Um, and a lot of parishes have said, that's a nice thing to do as a morning or an evening prayer in a parish, particularly if you have a church that you mightn't be in for Mass during the day, but you say, you know, we could meet for evening prayer in the church. And people find that a lovely, calm and, and reflective way of praying. So there, so the difference really is public prayer is quite diverse and open. A lot of people are already doing that. But what we want is to have people who are both able to step into that role, but also into the liturgies that we might need lay people to lead. So there's, but the only two liturgies that lay people would lead would be a liturgy of the word, uh, perhaps with a communion rite, and then also uh, the liturgy of the hours, the uh, divine office. Yeah. That 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 makes sense, Noreen. Now, I suppose one of the other things that people would would, would turn around and say, well, I like my mass. I want to get hmm. communion. Kind of Absolutely. like you take you're taking you're taking away uh, communion from us. Like, why are you doing that? Absolutely. You know, I. I you know, because if you if you look at it that way, in Ireland, in one sense, we have become rather spoilt, or not spoiled, but we've become rather too used to doing everything around the liturgy, the full liturgy of the Mass, uh, and not exploring the first, other way of prayer. I, I, I hear you, Shane. Uh, first, I'd say that, like, a love of the Mass is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and a good thing, mm-hmm. and that, you know, when I hear people, like, I haven't mentioned anything about about um, Mass here, but what I I suppose this conversation is coming from the perspective that we we are finding that every single church in every single parish in the diocese won't be able to have daily Mass quite quick already. It's just not physically possible, and and actually that's okay, but it it is a loss and a grief for people um, because you know this is about love. People love to come mm. to Eucharist. People love their God, and they have. They have a, a spirituality that's built around every morning that to be able to receive communion is a great grace. And and I would say, some rather than saying it's selfish, I would say that when you love someone, you know, you you want to be with them and that's a good thing. And what we probably need to explore a little bit is if it's not possible to have daily mass and if that's a really practical reality, that it just is the way it is, um, then how can we make sure that we're not we're not not in connection with God, but that we sit back and say, well, as Christians, across 2,000 years and across most of the world, people do not have the grace of daily mass, and yet God is with them and they are with God. So can we explore what else is possible, right? But holding at the heart of it the sense that the greatest grace we have as Christians, as Catholics, the greatest grace we have is the Eucharist. 
particularly the Sunday Eucharist, because this is the thing for 2,000 years, the Sunday Eucharist is sacred. It's our heart. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what the church has, has been saying over the last number of years, initially what they were saying was, look, if you can't have um, a Eucharist during the week, you could have a communion rite. And then they started to say, well, do you know, really, really, it's on, Sunday is the primary day. And on Sunday, everyone should be able to receive the body of Christ. Everyone. And so on Sunday, it would be important that if for any reason, and this isn't a reality for us yet, but if for any reason you couldn't have Mass on Sunday, that a liturgy of the word with a communion rite would be important and that lay people would be able to lead that really well and with great dignity so that the community would gather, would recognize itself, would know God is with us and would be nourished for the week ahead. But what has become the wisdom that has come back from the bishops, and it's the national agreement here as well, is that on weekdays, we should be careful about simply putting on a communion service in all our churches. We should really be saying, okay, where is it possible to gather for Mass? And where, if it's not possible for people to get to the celebration of the Eucharist at maybe a neighbouring parish or nearby, then can we gather and pray in our communities as well so that we don't in some way simply get into the cars and drive off for services in different places, but rather we say that this is a faith community here that will always recognize God who is present and pray for the people here. You know, so mm-hmm. we're kind of holding it. I'm, I'm conscious I'm talking a lot on a radio, so it might be hard for people, all these ideas. But what I'd say is at the core of this is a love for the Eucharist, but also a respect for the local communities and saying, we want you always to be able to gather and pray. And we'd like to have lay people in every single parish, at every single church, who are able to gather, to lead prayer when people gather. I, I like that idea, Noreen, of respect for the community because, of course, it reminds us that when we gather as a community, as a mm-hmm. Eucharistic community, and say we gather for Sunday Mass with a priest, yeah. God, Christ is present in, in a number of ways in that community. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a reminder of us for that. Like he, we, we, we very much understand him as Christ being present in the Blessed Sacrament. But Christ is also present in the Word Proclaimed, He's present, you know, in a way when the priest presides at the Eucharistic prayer. So but he's also present in the community, and I think that's something else that we we sometimes have to remind ourselves that you know we have to say when two or three are gathered in His name, He is there amongst them. And I suppose it's it's the balance between the respect, as you said, because there's one thing I suppose the the Church in Ireland, the people of Ireland, mm-hmm. have had is a great respect for the Blessed Sacrament mm-hmm. uh, and love of the Mass. Because yeah. I suppose culturally, Noreen, we would say, you know, for many years, for centuries, we couldn't have it. And, that, yeah. and that's part of it as well. But yeah. also respect for Christ gathered in the community as well. Well, the, the, the way I'd kind of describe it, Jane, is I think that that basic idea of where two or three are gathered, Christ is there, is very true. And when we gather in public prayer or private prayer, God is with us. But Eucharist is even more. There's the mm. St. Augustine said it well. He, he, he talked about how... Uh, you see the bread and wine on the altar and you see what God can do, that Jesus Christ can be fully present, absolutely, completely with us in this bread and wine, transformed, that God can take bread and wine and transform it. And that when we talk about Christ present at Eucharist in the people, we're not simply saying that God is here beside us. Mm. We're not simply saying that God is is with us, uh, but actually that the God who transforms bread and wine wants to transform this community and is transforming us into the body of Christ. And uh, that St. Paul says, like, look at 
the, the call that look at what Paul says about you're, you're to be Christ's hands and Christ's feet going out into the world that, that we are the body of Christ and that when we gather in Eucharist it's even more profound than God is with us it is God that the life of God is, is pouring through us and what St. Augustine says is when we come forward to receive and say Amen we don't just say Amen I believe I am receiving the body of Christ because we do believe that but we say Amen I take seriously that I am now called to be part of the body of Christ and I go out now not as an individual who received communion but as a member a full member of the body of Christ who is now you know God is going to work through me this week uh, in being the heart of Christ in the community in being the feet of Christ as I walk with people in being the love of Christ so it's a, it's an incredibly profound thing and one of the issues we have around the, just simply having a communion right as not you know not just having um, literally the word but people say can we have a communion right as well sure how why could we not receive the Eucharist is so precious to us that we really need to hold that piece of saying that we to be there at the full Eucharist at consecration when we really recognize God transforming all of us at together as one people is something very profound. And if we separate it out into simply the reception of something, there's a danger that we might have a kind of a private relationship with God and forget that we're actually part of this whole community together, making sense and, and together saying, how is God calling us in this place to make a difference? How is God at work in this time with this people making a difference? You know, really having a sense of we being part of something, that we're grafted into the vine with Christ, not simply mm. people on the edge observing. And so... Now, I, on a radio program, it's very hard to do any kind of justice to this conversation, and I'm conscious of that. But what I'd say is that really our core concern is that the community can gather and pray. And that in the official liturgies of the church, like the liturgy of the word, like the, the morning prayer, the liturgy of the hours, there is a real sense of God present. At our heart, Eucharist is the thing that, that, that feeds and nourishes us. But what we want to make sure is that in our rush, to, to have something to replace daily Eucharist, that we don't do something that takes Eucharist for granted simply about my receiving but that rather we say, how can we grow deeper in our love for Eucharist how can we spend time, how can we literally sit with the word of God and say Lord what's your question for me to chew on today that I might be fed that I might be nourished by your word now it's, it's actually very challenging for people, somebody said to me at the weekend she said, I could get my head around evening prayer, gathering in the evening and not receiving communion, but I can't comprehend not receiving communion in the morning. I've done it every day of my life as long as I remember. And that's what ritual is. There's kind of a, a sense of the morning, this is what I do, I'm nourished for the day. And so I'm in no way underestimating that this might be a challenge. But what I'm saying is this, the, I spoke with Bishop Brendan about this and, and we said, we're not making this a yes or a no or a ban or something, a conversation. It's actually an opening up the questions and saying, how can we talk about how we pray in the morning if it's not possible to have mass? Let's be honest. Let's tell people all the options. And in each parish then, let people talk about it and engage with it so that over time, we kind of get a sense of what's possible uh, and just open up what, what's possible so it doesn't become a yes or a no or for or against. Can we have mass or can't we have mass? It becomes how will we pray? Because there's a lot of great wisdom, but there's a lot of great prayer leaders in our communities. We just need to draw them out. So I'll just say one last thing, and then, John, I'll, I'll let you back in because I feel like I've taken over. Um, that what Bishop Brendan suggested was that he wants to make sure every parish 
is adequate, has, has the preparation that they would have lay leaders for liturgy in the parish, right? Because as well as the morning time, there, there's also the issue of, for example, when somebody is bereaved in the parish and they want someone to come and pray in their homes, say, the night before a funeral, say, or in the, in the, on, at the um, funeral home, they'd like somebody to come and lead the prayers and a priest isn't available. And that, that does happen as well, just for sheer numbers. That people might, for instance, be able to, to lead prayers like that. Um, there's also, for example, there's times during the year where, like the graveyard in November, we might not have a priest available always, you can go down there. But if people have been trained and formed and are confident, they might be able to lead those times of prayer, right? They might be able to, to have a liturgy of the word or to have a, a rosary celebration. So whatever a parish feels is necessary. So what we're doing is we're saying we're going to have three Saturdays of preparation that in every parish we're going to ask every parish to have one lay-led liturgy on Tuesday the 25th, Tuesday the 25th of April. The clergy are away at a conference and it's a good opportunity so that in every parish that that day there would be a lay-led liturgy held, right? And all the people who are coming uh, to the next training will be getting information around that, what's possible and they'll decide. But the parish will say, okay, this is how we're going to do it, this is what we've decided to do and they'll offer that. But then I would see that people come back again and they say, okay, for us right now, there isn't a need for something on one morning a week. However, there are other areas we could be leading prayer. And I would see what's really important is that over the next year, between now and Christmas, that at least once a month, if not weekly, that in every parish there are lay people leading prayer. So that if there's a moment that people say, Father is sick today and can't come and say Mass, we don't say, oh my God, it's a crisis, what will we do? But we say, okay, we clarify this. Is this what we're going to do? Right, now we have three people who can step in and lead us in prayer this morning. Or there's down at the nursing home, we've always had mass at the nursing home. We can't anymore for practical reasons. But there are two people who said they're willing to go down once a week and to lead a morning prayer or to lead a liturgy of the word or to lead a stations of the cross at Easter because they're trained and prepared and confident in doing that. So that's what we're trying to move towards. So the idea would be that on the 25th of April, every single parish offers a lay-led liturgy, right? Uh, and that every single parish then says, should the need arise, we're confident. But that at the same time, the parish is coming back and saying, well, right now the primary need is a benediction that Father doesn't have to come down from his house to put away the Blessed Sacrament, that a lay person is able to do that. Or at, you know, at, at Easter time, the Tuesday prayer service, there's, there's two lay people leading that, or that we, we gradually build up our confidence, particularly around leading those liturgies, so that it never becomes a question of crisis, but rather of people kind of coming into their own and saying, not, look, I can do it, but rather, on behalf of the people of this parish, I'm going to lead us in liturgy so that we always are able to pray here, and we're never afraid or nervous of praying together, whether it's in a funeral home, the nursing home, the church, the graveyard, wherever, the local school where a teacher says, we need to have a, a, a prayer service here, but we're nervous of leading it. Could someone from the parish help us with that? That we'll always have the confidence to pray. Because, you know, we came through penal times. We came through times when there was prices on the heads of our bishop. And as people, we took care of our priests and we also kept our prayer alive. And I think we can do that now. I think we can take care of our priests, not simply keep pulling from them until they're exhausted, but take care of our priests and also, we can ensure that there's always prayer in our local place so that people know God lives here. God is not simply inside in the cathedral. God is here with us, and we can call on God, and God will answer our prayer.
No, I didn't think it so much. I know. I mean, there was so 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 awkward to try to cover so much in such short a time on the radio. But thank you, you know, so much for that. And and you'll come back and talk to us maybe uh, mid-April, the end of April, and then we'll see how things go. Very happy to. I'd be very happy to come before the the twenty fifth. And if people want to send in questions or have. You know, concerns or anything, either they can ring me here in the pastoral centre on that 061-400-133 number or they send in something to yourself and we can chat about it. And I, I would be very conscious that, particularly if it's the first time hearing something like this, it can seem like there's a lot of change. Mm. But actually what we're doing is, is waking up people to think about it. And what I said to the people who came to the formation in March, I said, this is like a pint of Guinness or a pot of tea settling. Yeah. You need to leave it draw and see what emerges. So don't go home and say we must do and what's happened. There are no changes planned at the moment. There's nothing big planned apart from the 25th of April that there'll be liturgies and parishes. There's nothing else planned. So just let the idea settle and see what it sounds like for you. And in the weekly email newsletter I send out, I try and include some information on this. And I'll come back and chat again. There's lots of time. We'll do it together. There's no panic. Noreen, thanks so much, thanks so much <laughs> so, for that, Noreen. In the meantime, we better go for a break. Um, please join us again in part three, where we'll reflect uh, and read the Gospel for today. Sacred Space, 